It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. I couldn't be more excited to talk with my guest today. Join me again, second time around, Mike Weinberg, best-selling sales author, speaker, and consultant. Mike is a leading expert on new business development, and I can say this now, an expert on sales management with the release of his new book. You know, growing your business is hard. Growing sales is hard work. And in his wonderful new book, Sales Management Simplified, Mike takes dead aim at the self-destructive, self-defeating sales management behaviors and senior management behaviors, got to add that, that hinder and hamper sales growth. And he provides a great, simple framework for sales management that can help any organization achieve their goals. And that's what we're going to learn from Mike today. Mike, welcome back to the show. Hey, Andy, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be with you and really thrilled to talk about this book, too. So thank you so much. No problem. My pleasure. It seems like you were just here yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun conversation. So I enjoyed listening to that, that podcast. Well, let me lead off. Nice work on the book. Who's the target audience for this book? You know, um, it's a little broader probably than the, than the traditional sales management book. Uh, there's probably three audiences. The, the, main, the main prime target is someone leading a sales team or sales organization. But I took pretty blunt aim at senior executives in several of the chapters because I, I see a lot of sales managers that, that are, are living in untenable situations and struggle in their role, not for their own fault because of the way their company sets up sales management. So I shared some pretty hard, blunt truth to, to senior executives in there. And, then, mm-hmm. and, and the third audience is salespeople because I, there's enough sales help in this sales management book that any salesperson who has aspirations for leadership would benefit from it. And frankly, I'm gonna, and I'll make the offer here. I, I haven't written this post yet, but I'll throw it out there right now. I'm offering $1,000 to any salesperson who buys this book and gives it to their management and I get brought in for anything. And if, you, if, if a salesperson buys this book and gives it to their management and they get fired, I'll give you $100. And <laughs> five times what you pay for the price of the book. I'm so convinced that management needs to read this book that I'm willing to put my money uh, where my mouth is on that. Yeah, it sounds like that should be the, the incentive should be reversed. If they get fired, they get $1,000. If they bring you in, you get 100 <laughs> Let me think about that now that you've brought it up that way. So, an early chapter in the book is titled, and I love, you're going to win an award just for the titles of your chapters. The early t- chapter in the book is titled, You Can't Effectively Run a Sales Team When You're Buried in Crap. Now, tell us what you're aiming at there. That, that's, I am, I am, it's an angry chapter written to senior executives that uh, are disappointed in their sales managers and frustrated with sales performance. But the truth is they have absolutely buried and distracted and diverted their sales manager from doing things to drive revenue and lead their team. Such as? Such as. Uh, uh, I, I, where do I start? I, I'll give you an example of one, uh, one of the clients. I actually tell the story in the book. Uh, at a sales, sales director of sales, national North American director of sales, who had 22 direct reports and um, spent – 80% of his life attending corporate meetings, strategy meetings, product planning meetings, executive committee meetings, uh, operations meetings. It was unbelievable. Between the emails he got all day long from people within the company and the meetings he was required to attend, he did none of the things 
that I was uh, engaged to help him. He wasn't meeting with wasn't meeting with his people one on one. Wasn't leading team meetings. Wasn't getting out in the field. Right. But man, with his calendar filled up with all kinds of uh, corporate responsibilities and conference calls and administrative junk. Uh, in other companies, I see. Well, let's ask the question about this guy. Was he making yeah. his number? No. So, did he want to? For me, I mean, was was he wanting to do more of the sales management, or was he sort of feeling comfortable that he was given an excuse to be in these meetings? Well, this is a complicated situation. This particular guy was probably not the right fit for the job, um, so he, he didn't know what to do. Um, and I, I was brought in to kind of help change the sales culture and help him. But it, it was two things: he didn't he didn't know what to do, but the company setup was so anti-sales and so uh, engineering and manufacturing oriented that they couldn't get it, that, that it, the best use of his time or the person in, the, in that role's time was not sitting in their meetings, but it would be out in the field with the people meeting customers. It would be conducting pipeline reviews. It would be uh, publishing sales reports and doing deal strategy meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, all the things that you'd expect a sales leader to do, he couldn't get to because he wasn't allowed to. So why do you think the senior executives were placing these demands on it. And this is this is not an unusual story, right? I mean, I, I see this oh. replicated in company after company as well, where you know, sales managers are included in meetings they really don't need to be in. I don't think a lot of senior executives, maybe not a lot, but a good number of senior executives understand the job of the sales leader. They, I, they, they, and it happens in a lot of companies. I walked away from two high-end sales management, sales executive jobs to go back into consulting five years ago. And, and the truth is, one of the main drivers of that decision was I got frustrated that I got to do very little of what I love to do, which is drive revenue and, and mentor people. Right? That, that's, that I left to go back to consulting, one, to make some more money, but two, because I couldn't stand the fact that I had this incredible administrative burden, and I worked for people that thought they were sales experts, but they weren't, and they didn't understand the job of the sales leader. And you can almost hear me getting angry as I relive the story, because that's part of my frustration. And frankly, Andy, that's... You know, I didn't really want to write this book. I, I am really busy from the first book, and I love teaching new business development and helping salespeople get new accounts. That's my, my, my number one passion. But honestly, what happened in my consulting practice, and I learned this the hard way, you don't transform sales organizations from the bottom. And I could coach until I'm blue in the face trying to make individual salespeople more productive at telling their story, at prospecting, at running good discovery calls, at powering up their presentations, all the stuff I love, love, love to coach people on. But the truth was that doesn't change the sales organization. That doesn't produce the kind of long-term results companies need. And that's when I'm like, I got to tackle sales management. I have to get in there. If we don't change the culture, if we don't help sales leaders lead effectively, if we don't have smart talent management and a good sales process that's going to be carried out, all the training and coaching in the world doesn't do anything. So I, I think it's just, and I, I kind of answered a question you didn't ask yet, but I mean, I, I didn't want to write this book. I felt like I had to. So you know, you know you've written up your couple books and it ain't fun. I mean, it's, it, that's a lot of nights I was gone, but I felt like I had to write this because to really get sustainable sales lift that, that, that will last, you got to deal with the sales leader. You got to deal with the culture. You got to deal with talent management before you're dealing with coaching on sales stuff. Okay, so before we move off this particular topic, a message to the CEOs, entrepreneurs, the C-level execs that are listening to this, what what do they need to assess relative to what they're asking of their sales managers? And first and foremost, they should only really be focused on, are they making the number? 
right? And start from that and start peeling everything one. else away from it that doesn't contribute to that. Yeah. Just, Are they making the number? And the, it's, it's similar to the question we asked it was something you and I talked about in the, in the, in the, in the episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, just like we want to know what percent of the time our salespeople are spent actually proactively selling. Well, the same goes for sales leadership. If I'm the CEO or a senior executive, I want to know what percent of my, my sales leader's time is spent actually on revenue driving sales leadership, high value activity, which means meeting with salespeople, coaching salespeople in front of customers, conducting sales team meetings, right? Reviewing results, deal strategy. If if you if you are burdening your sales manager, I mean, I worked with one company. I did I ran this this uh, sales management retreat for a, a couple dozen sales managers from around the country, and they all came in and and uh, you would not believe what this company did to their sales managers. Some of them were working seven days a week just to keep up with the pressure of all the tasks that were applied to them. They were doing customer service events and and uh, employee appreciation rallies, and some of them were setting up like it was a. A facility where, where uh, clients would come to them, and some of the sales managers, when the staff was shorthanded, actually had to physically prep the facility for arriving clients. Other ones were complaining that uh, phone calls were actually rolling over to their line when the receptionist or customer service was busy. The sales manager ended up getting the inbound phone call. Right. Um, you know, in companies where I worked, I, I worked for a CEO where it became a game to see how many times a week he could gather the executive team in the conference room so he could pontificate and have us work on some exercise. Well, after five, six, seven hours a week sitting in the conference room, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm not getting my sales leadership work done here. Yeah, you know, so it, it's all that stuff, right? And we, and this is yeah, for again for the audience listening to the show, this this show is about how do you accelerate your sales growth, how do you accelerate your business growth, and to be able to do that, you need to have people doing the jobs you hired them to do. And I, I, part of it seems to me, and I've I've seen this in companies, is that we're certainly seeing more of a a trend towards a consensus style of management, right? And I just wonder whether that's part of it, right? That people feel like they need to include people to get buy-in or whatever when they really – it doesn't help them. You're not helping them by including them in this meeting. You're actually hurting them. Totally. Totally. I want the opposite. I mean when everyone does their primary job, the world works a lot better. Enough with the collaboration. Let the guy go lead. I mean your sales leader should be wearing a battle helmet leading the troops into battle. And what I see a lot of times is – is the company uh, forces them to take off that battle helmet and, and play garbage collector? You know, I worked. I worked in a company. One of those two companies I quit before I went back to consulting. I mean, I worked in a company where uh, I, I started getting technical phone calls from customers on my cell phone, and I had to do like private investigator work to figure out how in the world were these customers getting my cell phone to call me with technical questions I couldn't answer. Right? It was like I'm the last guy in the company that should have been answering these. Well, I found out it was one of the one of the customer service reps. And I said, what are you doing? I go, number one, I'm new here. I can't answer these questions. And number two, I got a sales team to run. And this woman looked me in the face and said, Mike, I was told that all problems go to the sales manager. And I'm like, that's exactly why your sales force is so screwed up and sales suck because the sales leader has been taken away from his primary job. I am not the right guy to field customer technical phone calls, let alone give out my cell phone number. Yeah, and, and Andy, it's in the name of being lean. Like you, you talked about collaboration and and uh, you know trying to like get people where we're all on the same page and you know the good old team feeling. Some of it, I think, is in the name of being lean. Companies are asking people to do more with less, but when you take your forward deployed, you know, squadron leader, your sales manager, and ask him to do more, you're taking him out of leading the troops into battle, 
And that, no matter what else is going on, is a bad, bad decision. I agree. And you talk about another additional problem in that's sort of really related in the book about sales managers that have their heads buried in their CRM system, right? Mm-hmm. And clearly, a lot of that behavior is by choice, not by dictate, right? It's somehow managers think they can manage through purely through the CRM as opposed to actually interacting with their salespeople. Yeah, it's it's. I hate to sound like Donald Trump, but it's a disaster. <laughs> I mean, every time I say disaster, I'm picturing him. But um, yeah, the, it really weird things are happening with CRM in, in in all kinds of companies, and there are there are sales managers that have become desk and CRM jockeys, and they are really trying to manage. And I won't even say lead; it's manage their teams by staring at reports in the CRM and then trying to lead by sending emails. Uh, not meeting one on one, not having hard conversations, not coaching, and it's it's brutal. And I, I mean, I, I the way I like to say it sometimes is, I when sales managers uh, kind of get OCD around their CRM, bad things happen. I mean, I have a couple clients, and you, you may not believe this, but I mean it, where the consequences are harsher for not updating tasks in the CRM and keeping your deals current mm-hmm. than they are for missing your sales goal. Yeah. So. So you're, we're, you got these managers reinforcing the behavior and sending the message that, you know, don't you dare fall behind in the CRM because that's how I'm judging you. I'm not judging you by results. I'm judging you by what a good administrator you are. Well, on top of that, too, what I see, and this is, this is one of my frustrations I work with my clients on, is that even in those situations where they might be updating the record in the CRM, they're not going back and ever looking at it, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yeah, I'll go through and do an account review. I've got one. Uh, account I'm working with now where I, I do sort of a weekly sales meeting with them. And, you know, I said, okay, they don't have VP of sales. I'm filling that role temporarily for them. Is you don't put anything in the record, right? You guys, you know, you say there's a, you send an attachment to the customer. It's not there. You say there's a critical sales meeting or a meeting you have with the customer and you discuss certain issues and you don't summarize the issues in the <laughs> in the record. So it's like if a manager was to go back through, as I was trying to do, to learn about the accounts to be able to help them, help their customers, it's not there. Yeah. Yeah, they're reinforcing quantity of, of activity over the quality of what's getting put in and it becomes useless. So I just I th- I just thought it's just a warning. You know, it's a warning in all size companies. CRM is great. It's great. We we want to track. We want to monitor activity. We want to communicate better. We want to do deal strategy. We, I'm all for accountability. I, I love metrics. It's I love it. But the way it plays out in the real world gets really, really messy. And, you know, uh, the, I, I've worked with some companies where the, the sales process was completely broken and they felt like if they brought in Salesforce.com, it would solve all their problems. Right. And I'm like, and, and I have this line in the book, it's, it's, and, and I mean this, I said, bringing in Salesforce.com for a broken sales team is kind of like a couple with a bad marriage having kids thinking it'll save their marriage. Like it's, I mean, I mean it, like it's not, it's, it's going to be harder, not easier. Do you need processes? Yes. Do you want a CRM to track certain behaviors and help you communicate and, and create visibility and awareness? Sure you do. But a CRM doesn't cause customers to run to your door with cash in hand, right? It doesn't necessarily lighten your workload. And what, what drives me crazy in a lot of companies is people don't go ahead and buy the full, the full package or it doesn't have all the functionality they really want. So when you ask for a report, they look at you kind of cross-eyed and say, well, 
I think we could get that, but we didn't buy that module yet. Or, you know, I, that information is in there, but we really don't know how to get it out. And I look and go, this is just great, man. Like, we'd be better off if we were using a chalkboard. Yeah, and I know? think in some cases, too, companies need to be aware of the fact that that is as incredible as Salesforce.com is and the, the product and the breadth of what it offers and all the uh, ancillary products and bolt-ons that are available you know, through the, uh, the app exchange is that there are, for some companies, a simpler system is really what they need. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got a startup, if you've got small business, you know, sometimes, you know, it's sort of like the old adage, you know, you never got fired for buying from IBM, but, you know, sometimes buying the premier product is not the right way to go. That really doesn't fit what you need. If you need something to help you track deals, keep track of what's happening within your customers, give an easy tool for managers to use to review the status and, and really give the manager some food for thought that they can come back and help and coach their salespeople to success, maybe the answer isn't the most elaborate, expensive system. That, that is really well said. I agree. All right. Well, with that, stay with us. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Mike Weinberg as he talks about his new book, Sales Management Simplified, and shares more tips about how to drive sales with improved sales management. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today, one of my great friends, Mike Weinberg. Check out Mike online at newsalescoach.com. Be sure to check out his new book, Sales Management Simplified, available now on Amazon.com and other sellers. Mike, how are you doing again? I'm good. Are you checking your sales on Amazon as we speak? <laughs> no, I'm focused on you asking me trick questions, so I'm ready. <laughs> so let's talk about coaching and managing, because you and I have both written about this recently, um, that you know, if you're a sales manager and you don't have time to coach, what are you doing? Right? What are you doing instead that's more important than coaching? Because you're only going to succeed if you hit your number, and you're only going to hit your number if your salespeople are as productive as they could possibly be. So... Share with the audience, what's the difference between managing, coaching, and, and why should they be spending more time on coaching, and, and how do you effectively coach? Well, that's a, a lot in that question. Uh, let's start with this. Um, I see a lot of managing. I see very little mentoring and coaching going on. Uh, sometimes the only times I see coaching is when uh, I, I, there's a newly promoted sales manager who came out of the, the field and was really good at selling, so they default to, hey, let me, let me help you sell like me which isn't the worst thing, but they, they, those people don't have the hard conversations. They don't do the management part. Um, I don't, in my own mind, I don't really have these hard and fast uh, definitions of what's managing and what's coaching. The way I like to talk about it is you need to be meeting with your people. And some of those meetings are management type meetings where you're pushing and going over results and reviewing the pipeline. And if necessary, asking about activity. And we'll, we can circle back to that that topic. Um, and then some of these meetings are uh, coaching, where we are either talking about technique, we're reviewing deals and coming up with strategy, we're sharing observations of what we're observing mm-hmm. of the salesperson as we work with them one-on-one. I mean, talk about uh, 
talk about a lost art field work, you know, getting it uh, in, the, in the, in the passenger seat in someone's car and get going on the road with them. Or if it's an inside sales team, pulling up a chair and sitting next to someone and talking and watching them make calls and ask lots of questions and then sharing observations, you know, debriefing after the call, like that whole behavior is gone. I don't, they're doing sales managers doing everything but coaching. Yeah. And so it's like, to me, and I'm sorry with you, is I don't draw the distinction between management and coaching. I think if you're a sales manager, your primary function is to coach your sales team to be successful. And, and if you're, that has to be your first focus. And if you're not focused on that, if you're too worried about, yeah, you want to make sure they update the CRM, but if you think that you can intuit or infer or understand exactly what's going on in accounts and what your salespeople are doing in accounts just by looking at what they enter into the CRM system, you're dead wrong. It's not going to happen. Absolutely. And, you know, and this is something I learned from my dad, and I've seen it play out in, in, in a lot of my clients. Coaching is just as important, sometimes more important, for top producers than it is for those people that are struggling. I don't know what you're seeing. I see a lot of sales managers that kind of ignore their top people, and they, they invest all their energy trying to get their bottom folks up to speed. And mm -hmm. I'm for dealing with underperformance. That's a separate conversation. But very often, we can get the greatest lift by coaching up and clearing the decks for our best people. Because frankly, they know what to do with the coaching. And a lot of the top, I get asked this all the time about, you know, how do you deal with top producers and are they coachable? Well, most top people, frankly, are coachable. They're very hard on themselves. They're competitive. They want the edge. They're, will, they're confident enough to let you watch them do what they do and then take some input. Yep. And, and let me say this too, because I, I, I've worked with a handful of sales managers that were not sales experts or sales technicians. Guys, Ladies, you don't need to be a sales expert to coach somebody. I, I admit this, Andy, freely. I go on a lot of my clients. I think very often the top producer, the number one guy there, could probably outsell me. Do I know more about sales because it's my trade and I study it? Absolutely. But some people are just naturally gifted and awesome at selling, and I still coach them. Just like I don't think the typical pro, you know, Jordan Spieth's coach in golf uh, I don't think he could beat Jordan. No. You know what he can do? He can watch Jordan swing and share observations. Exactly. And he can challenge his work ethic, and he can coach him on mentality, right, and, and strategy. So it's, it's an excuse to say, well, I don't know enough about sales to be a coach. You can coach. You just have to want to coach. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's as you said, that's multifaceted. Part of it's just accountability. You know, sometimes the good performers get a little stale, a little stagnant, right? So being able to be there for them to help look at what they're doing, give them advice about how they could possibly improve the routine or change the routine up to, or even how they're, gosh, I remember, <laughs> I used to get stale on how I'd present things to customers, right? Because it became too routine. Well, that's a great place for a coach to step in and say, even your top performers, look, you need to change this up a little bit. Because they're just going to lose interest. And if they lose interest, then they become less effective. Oh my gosh, that... Just the other week, I was over at a client with an inside sales team, and we have really worked hard over the last year to sharpen their story and their call outlines. And I, I just popped in the cube of a couple folks and listened to some calls, and boy, what they were saying didn't sound anything like what we had practiced. You know, and it was like right. I'm like, okay, I got either I have more work to do on the training front, or I had to ask some people one on one, what happened here? You know, you sound bored, and you're taking three sentences to get to the customer's issue. You have all this preliminary junk that's causing them to not be interested in the beginning. That's not, you know, what happened here? So part of it is just, are you following up with people too, you know? And you you watch some, I go on a lot of sales calls. I love being the third guy on mm -hmm. a face-to-face -face sales right. call. 
and I look like I'm taking notes about the business. I'm taking notes about the salesperson, and I'm tracking the percent of time they're talking versus the percent of time the customer's talking. And I'm looking for the interaction, and I'm watching where they miss cues. And man, you you can share so much valuable feedback just by watching someone in front of a customer and showing them what they did. And then asking them what went well, what didn't go well, and reviewing the different phases of the sales call. That that act alone would, would create incredible lift and drive performance improvement. Because people, you know, just like uh, major league batters have a coach. Someone's watching them. They're videotaping their swing, and they go back and they watch it. Exactly. And I think that's really a key point, right, is people need, even the good performers, they need people to watch what they're doing, give them feedback on it, because we can all improve. And we all should be improving. If we don't improve, we're going backwards. So give us the key points of your sales management framework that you talk about in the new book. Yeah, I, I, part two of the book is, is really the unpacking of the simple framework after I blast everyone on the issues in part one that cause lack of sales performance. I, I have a really simple, it's my own grid, it's my own framework. It's what I use when I go into a company to try to improve sales. And therefore, it's, it's the same grid I try to help the executive and sales leader use uh, for their own framework. And it's really three parts. First part is sales leadership and culture. The second part is talent and talent management. And then the third part is sales process. So I'll, I'll unpack each of those real, real briefly. Uh, sales leadership and culture. That's what does it feel like to work on this team? You know, is it fun? Are the hearts engaged? What does accountability look like? Are, are reports published and public? Uh, does the manager meet one-on-one -on -one with each person and, and review results? Uh, do team meetings, sales team meetings, are they valuable or are they a waste of time? You know, do they engage and align and equip the sales team mm -hmm. or are they just, you know, painful like most sales team meetings? Right. Um, and then and I'll also kind of weave compensation into that leadership piece because that's a biggie that often gets ignored. So all the stuff of like what is the culture of your team? What's the energy? What's the accountability? Do we celebrate? Is it fun? Our heart's engaged and the meeting rhythms. That kind of stuff really matters. And frankly, even if you never dealt with sales process, you can get lift by you know having a good locker room and good accountability and good sales reports and fun and productive meetings. So that's the first part. Sure. Second part of the framework is talent management. And I've got a little uh, thing with four R's, which I call the four R's of talent. Do we have the right people in the right roles? Are we retaining our top people? Because there's so few A players in sales Nothing hurts more than losing one. So are we treating our best people differently? And we, are we darn sure they're happy and they're staying? So that's retain. Then we got remediate, which is just my R word for coach up or coach out. Mm -hmm. If we got under underperformers, very quickly they got to be identified and we need to either coach them up, there's that coaching thing again, to satisfactory levels of performance, or we've got to coach them out and move on. And then my last R is recruiting because you always got to be building your bench. So you got talent management. Okay. And what's interesting, you know, all the stuff that's in my first book from New Sales Simplified comes in the third part, that sales process. And I learned the hard way, Andy, that really to get sales lift, you can accomplish more by fixing the sales leadership and the culture and the talent management piece than by playing with sales process. Mm -hmm. So then the sales process piece is all the stuff I love. That's that's the do we have good targets? Are you people equipped with good weapons? You know, is their story succinct, compelling, customer-focused, differentiating. Can they use the phone? Can they prospect? Can they get a meeting? Can they run the meeting? You know, do they, can they probe? Can they share the story? Can they flush out objections? Can they define a next step? All that stuff. 
And then the last part of sales process, the whole metrics, self-management, activity, pipeline management, et cetera. So you put those three things together and you can end up with one heck of a really good checklist for healthy sales leadership in those categories, sales leadership and culture, talent, and sales process. I love it. Makes a lot of sense. So people should check out Mike's new book. It's called Sales Management Simplified. His first book was New Business Simplified. There's a little theme there, I understand. And it's available now on Amazon, brand new book. Make sure everybody goes out and check uh, this availability in their area, get a copy. And I want to thank Mike for joining us today for the second time in, in just the last couple of weeks. And again, buy his new book. You'll get the straight truth, as he says, about getting exceptional results from your sales team. So, Mike, tell people where they can find out more about you. Hey, Andy. Thank you again for having me and uh, for all the kind words. Uh, my website is newsalescoach.com. And I'm uh, pretty darn active on Twitter. And my handle there is Mike underscore Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G. Okay. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you want to make sure not to miss further episodes like this great episode we just had with Mike Weinberg. And remember to make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your sales and your business growth. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to ensure that you don't miss any of our episodes with top experts like Mike sharing their tips on how to accelerate the growth of your business. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.